Welcome, NEC fans, to our latest NEC Now podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by two Sacred Heart alums, Alyssa Tarsi, a former women's basketball student athlete, and Michaela Wolf, a Sacred Heart women's soccer student athlete, now both frontline healthcare workers. I have so much to talk to you about. Thanks for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having us. All right, let's start just by going back to your time at Sacred Heart. First, let's start with Alyssa. You played from 2012 to 16. Hey, before I get there, by the way, we are from the same uh, neck of the woods. I'm in Flemington right now, right down Route 31. You're from Clinton. Yeah, oh, what a coincidence. I didn't know that. <laughs> a North Hunter and standout. My son was a uh, soccer player at Hunter and Central, so we are taught not to like North Hunter and but you'll get the pass here because you're a Sacred Heart student athlete. But I found it funny that we're probably 10 minutes away from where you grew up. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. Definitely rivals with Hunter and Central over there. So you were a second team all-conference player as a senior. Sacred Heart reached the, the, the title game as well while you were there. I saw one of your big games, 25 points and a semifinal win over St. Francis University. Um, and you averaged 11 points, eight rebounds as a senior. Tell me a little bit about what led you to Sacred Heart and your time there as a student athlete. So I was really interested in Sacred Heart first um, for the academic piece. I thought I wanted to do physical therapy when I first started college. So I was really interested in the physical therapy program, the graduate program, got like pre to that. So studied exercise science basketball piece fit really well too. Um, when I first started, Ed Swanson was the coach. And, um, I really got a good feel for him. Sacred Heart um, just kind of felt like a good place to make both academically and um, athletic wise. So kind of just really was a good fit for me. What was your most memorable moment as a student athlete? Um, I think definitely my senior year. Um, I'm trying to, we had a, we had a lot of good moments, but um, I actually got to travel a lot with um, the basketball team. We went to Ireland, we went to Puerto Rico. So we had a lot of good overseas tours that were really fun. But um, I think the best moment as a student athlete was probably, um, we didn't win the full on conference, but we did win the regular season. So that was a big win for us. All right, let's go to Michaela. You played from 2009 to 2012 uh, under Kim Banner, played four years. Uh, Pioneers made the playoffs in your junior and senior years. I saw you scored a game winner on a header when you were a senior against FDU. Why don't you tell me about what made you, uh, what your decision was from coming from Northport, uh, heading to Fairfield, and what you enjoyed as a student athlete? Yeah, sure. So actually, my brother played baseball at Sacred Heart. So I was introduced to the school through him. And it was once I went up to the campus and I was walking around and I ended up meeting the coach, I kind of just fell in love with the school uh, quite early. My brother's four years older than me. So after finding out that I knew I wanted to work in healthcare and getting pre-accepted into the nursing program, I knew that the fit was perfect for me and um, I got recruited by Kim Banner. So it was, I knew once I did my official visit that that was it and it was a, it was a perfect match. It was far enough to be away and stay away uh, in college, but then close enough to be able to take the ferry and hop right back home. <laughs> Alyssa, you majored in kinesiology and exercise science. You went on to get another degree in nursing from Northeastern. 
now you're a registered nurse at, at Yale New Haven Hospital. What was your desire? At what point did you decide that, you know, working in a healthcare field was for you? Um, this might sound kind of corny, but I think all healthcare providers can kind of relate. I really just have like a passion for helping others. Um, nursing is definitely a profession where you can do that. You kind of see people at their most state when they're sick and not feeling well. And just so that you can kind of make a difference um, today, whether it's small or big, kind of just listening to them or kind of providing the medical care that they need. It really, um, it has a, a good, makes you have a good feeling at the end of the day. Michaela, for you, you uh, majored in nursing at Sacred Heart, went on to get your master's at, from Hofstra in nursing and physician assistant studies. And now you're an acute care uh, nurse practitioner at Northwell Health. What, where did your passion for healthcare, when did that come into focus for you? Um, I think my passion came in high school. I knew I wanted to be, like I said, work in medicine. So I was actually a student athletic trainer when I was in high school, along with all my sports that I played and um, after school activities. And I first thought I wanted to do athletic training. And then when I was accepted into the nursing program, it's kind of like the rest was history. So um, like Alyssa said, it's having, it's very rewarding being a nurse, having to be there for the patients at their most difficult time and most vulnerable times. And I worked in the ICU. I was a critical care nurse before I became a nurse practitioner. So like I said, being at the patient's bedside for 12 hours at their most vulnerable time is really very, very rewarding at the end of the day, especially when you see them progress. And you definitely have a major part in their progress and you help them heal, so. So you're both, um, you're both in your jobs as, as nurses. Then this year comes along, March 2020 hits and the world changes in front of your eyes. Um, at its peak, you know, how is your typical day different than what it was before the virus outbreak? Why don't we, Alyssa, first. Um, it was definitely completely different. I know the first few weeks when um, I know Yale New Haven, we were kind of transitioning over to like a fully COVID hospital. It was kind of, not gonna lie, it's kind of nerve wracking to go to work every day. You just didn't know what to expect. Every day there's new guidelines, new regulations, practices that we had to follow. Um, so it was definitely a whole new experience the first couple of weeks. Um, not that it got any easier as time passed on, but um, you and the, um, the other healthcare providers that you work with, we kind of figured out a routine and kind of what worked best for us with all the PPE and stuff. You have to, obviously, there's a major shortage in the country. You got to um, save it. So we kind of figured everything out and really teamwork really was the best thing because you get stuck in a patient's room for a long time and you're in all this PPE and you're sweating and you got a call for help and someone someone comes and helps you out. So it definitely, it was a lot of stuff to adapt to, but I think at the end of the day, um, kind of just knowing that everyone else in the country is kind of going through this and we just kind of got to work together in order to make the best out of really bad situation. But um, yeah, that's what we had to do. How about you, Michaela? Um, yeah, so it was, quite the experience for me. So I'm actually, I'm a nurse practitioner now. I graduated May of 2019 and I started in a procedural area. So I'm a procedural nurse practitioner working in the hospital. So an area that's called interventional radiology, which is minimally invasive procedures. So that's my everyday. I 
usually do procedures and I see patients pre-op and post-op. And once the surge really hit in New York, um, the hospital came together and we started uh, basically redeploying our advanced care providers, so ACPs, they call them, which is nurse practitioners, PAs. And I was placed in a COVID ICU, which was, it was a recovery unit that was transformed into an ICU. It was a surge ICU. I actually opened three of the four surge ICUs within our hospital. So I was completely taken out of the environment that I normally work in on a daily, a day-to-day -day basis and put into a 19-bedded ICU and I'm running it with running it by myself with some of my other colleagues. So it was very, very, very different. The benefit that I had was that I have six years of critical care nursing experience under my belt, but um, I've only, at the time when I was deployed in March, I was only a nurse practitioner for eight months. So not only was I uh, in the transition, the role transition of a nurse to a nurse practitioner, but I was also then in the transition of being a procedural nurse practitioner into a critical care ICU intensivist almost. So it was very challenging. Um, but like Alyssa said, the teamwork that really, uh, it was so important. It takes a village and it takes so many hands to help on a day-to-day -day basis to make a, a change and to help with these patients when we were getting in flooded with all of the, the volume that we had. How, how has COVID changed the way that you've interacted with your patients? So, um, well, now there are a lot of different policies and protocols and rules in place within the hospital. Um, when we were in the thick of it and in the surge here in New York at North Shore University Hospital, we were um, not allowing any family members, no guests allowed. So it was really just strictly healthcare professionals and patients. So your interaction with the patients was not only as a provider or as a nurse, but it was as a friend and as a family member. And you were really that bridge of communication with the patient and the outside world. Um, and that still continues now. Uh, we've only allowed family members and visitors in for two hour periods in one day and one visitor for, per patient. And we have to wear masks and hats at all times. I took it off for the interview. So then you guys, <laughs> so we can see, but you have to wear hats and masks and face shields at all times to really protect yourself and to protect the patients as well. So it's crazy. A lot of things have changed. Alyssa, as an essential worker, how on a day-to-day -day basis, how worried with you were you about your own health um, coming into the hospital? Uh, yeah, I mean, this, um, this pandemic, you really never know with the COVID. So anybody, whether you think you're so healthy or if you have some kind of underlying illnesses, it really can affect anybody. I think all healthcare providers can kind of attest to that, seeing other patients in the hospital. But um, not that I wasn't nervous about myself. I think we were pretty properly protected in the hospital. I was more worried about kind of being silent transmitter. Um, my parents are a little bit elderly. I didn't, I haven't, I hadn't seen them in months. I didn't want to pass it on to any of my parents or my other family members. So I really, not that I wasn't worried about my own self. I just really didn't want to be kind of a silent transmitter um, and carry the um, disease along. Michaela, on a day-to-day -day basis, how tough was it mentally to come to work every day? Um, I personally, it was very tough. Um, I agree with Alyssa. I mean, I don't live with my parents, but 
I went from seeing my parents at least once a week to not seeing them at all. And it's really, it, you felt very um, isolated and distant from all of your friends and family because you weren't able to see them. And like she said, you don't want to, I wasn't so scared of myself getting sick, even though I knew that it was a risk, but I felt like I was, um, I had enough PPE, I was adequately prepared, but I didn't want to spread the virus because I firsthand on the front line was seeing how badly it was wreaking havoc on all of these patients. And it is emotion, not only physically draining, but emotionally and mentally draining that every day at 6 a.m. we're walking through the same hospital doors and you're just the look in your colleagues eyes it's like you don't even know what you're getting yourself into and you don't know what the day has in store for you and there were some days and i was working 80 plus hours a week and i was working days and nights that there were you would hear the rapid responses overhead called announced overhead because everyone needed to be aware and there would be upwards of 19 calls in one 12 hour shift, which was just horrifying. Your body cringes because you just don't know what to expect. You don't know where these patients are gonna go. You try to make space and you're trying to do the best that you can. And you obviously don't wanna harp on the, the bad things. And you try to keep that, the little glimmer of hope and uh, just, it, you try to keep the little, little glimmer of hope so then it keeps you going every day. Um, and relying on your colleagues and the community is so important because I mean, it was like a war zone. And I know that a lot of people use that analogy, but it literally was And like PTSD is a real thing because we, I've been in healthcare since 2013. And in the last seven years, I've seen more death and the sickest patients I've ever seen in my entire career in the last three months. Wow. Um, Alyssa, does you're in your day to day now, um, what you've been through, is there something you can take from playing on a sports teams, your whole, playing on sports teams your whole life, that team dynamic that helps you get through this with your colleagues on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh yeah, I think for sure. Um, I think going into work every day, you really, like Makeda said, you did not know what you were going to see. You could not map out what your normal, typical day at work was going to be. And really the only thing that you had was to rely on your fellow colleagues and the other healthcare professionals that were all going through the same thing. Um, I really don't think all the hospitals would have been so successful in treating all these patients without the, like, the teamwork that everybody had. Um, we were all facing something brand new that no one had ever seen before, so we were kind of taking it day by day. And really, the colleagues um, and other healthcare professionals really um, helped each other out. Like Michaela was saying, PTSD is a major thing. Um, when you would come in, I worked day shift when I would come in, you could just see on the night, um, night nurses faces kind of what they went through and you really kind of had to support them, kind of keep a positive energy as much as you could in um, these kind of unpredictable times. For both of you, I uh, will start maybe with Michaela. Is there something that's happened during these months at your hospital that has inspired you? A story that, that, that with all the death that you've seen, and all the bad things that have happened, that, that, that was a one good story that's uplifted you? Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, there have been more than one. There have been a couple stories, and I try to remember, remember those stories more, off, more than the stories that, were, um, that are dark, sad, and gloomy. You know, those, the happy stories are the stories that keep us going. Um, I mean, I can just say with 
one in terms of relying on your community and the hospital itself i think the hospital did an amazing job um, and leadership did an amazing job at acknowledging how difficult everything was and um, highlighting the positives within the hospital so for example every time a patient was extubated and they were taken off the breathing tube and were successfully taken off the breathing tube um, songs would play overhead where so the whole hospital would be able to hear them so then you would know like oh yes someone's coming off the ventilator there's it's a great day today and there would be a sign when you're walking into the hospital of how many patients got taken off the ex uh got taken off a ventilator, how many patients were discharged, which is just such an amazing thing because those are the things that keep you going, that realize are making a difference. I personally was able to extubate a couple patients and the first patient that I extubated, as soon as I took the breathing tube out, she grabbed my hand and just said thank you and started crying. And then both of us are crying together as we're all donned up and head to toe with PPE. And it was just one of the highlights of the time there, which is a strange thing to say, a highlight of a global pandemic when you're in the ICU, but it really, it almost like it lit a fire where I was so motivated and to continue to go above and beyond for every single one of the patients to try to continue to have that feeling because that feeling is what I, what really kept me going and it kept my colleagues going and people feed off positive energies and they also feed off negative energy, but You'd rather an environment like this have positive energy and promote positive energy and keep putting that out. Um, and then just the community in and of itself, we had food delivered to us every single day, even though half the time we couldn't have breaks because it was so busy. And then the fire department standing outside the hospital with banners and the sirens and the seven o'clock applause. I mean, I could go on about the good things, which is what I con continuously try to remember, so. Yeah, that's that's awesome. How about you, Alyssa? What's what's inspired you? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the same things like Michaela said. Um, I think one of the biggest things is kind of when one a patient was admitted and just seeing them progress. They some patients are for, but just um, the ones who had been there for months. I know one he was there for months and months, and finally the day that he was able to be discharged, we kind of had a big going away party for them. They, um, like Michaela said, they play music when someone was extubated. My hospital, they play music overhead when someone's discharged. And we kind of have, not a, a farewell party, but we kind of send them out with well wishes and just congratulate them for fighting um, this virus. Um, other things I think, like Michaela said, the community around us was great. I think someday we were getting three meals delivered a day and like Michaela said, we couldn't, unfortunately, we didn't have the time to eat it all, but um, they really reached out and showed that they were um, putting their part and kind of supporting us during this um, crazy time. Alyssa, as, um, as the, the hospitalizations have gone down in the last couple of months, for you, has there been a return to somewhat normalcy in your work life to home life? Have you been able to kind of get back to getting some free time every now and then? Um, a little bit. So as I was talking to you a little bit earlier, we unfortunately, we weren't allowed to take vacations during the pandemic, well, during the surge, just because we needed kind of everybody on staff and on call. So this week, I actually is my first week of vacation. So it's actually really nice. I just kind of get to disconnect from work for a little bit. So I've really been enjoying my time. Um, I'm slowly starting to kind of see my friends. Sometimes I'm a little, un not uncertain, but 
I go outside and I see my friends and stuff. So it's really kind of going back to the new normal, what I like to say. I think everybody's kind of calling it the new normal now. So it's slowly, slowly returning. Michaela, Connecticut's one of the states that's done a really good job at, at keeping the virus at bay following the, the initial wave that came through. Other parts of the country have had a resurgence, going through some tough times. Uh, what would your advice to people be right now who want that return to their everyday lives? Um, I mean, all I can say is they're not the only ones that want things to go back to normal. Um, everyone wants things to go back to normal, but we need to be conscious and we need to be safe and we need to be smart that this is a virus that's very new. We don't have a definitive treatment. Um, right now, all we can do is try and prevent the spread and prevent another research, which actively in New York, we're trying to, we're continuously staying up to date with best practice and um, the numbers every day with testing and positive rates. But the thing is we have, uh, a policy in place and we have a plan in place for us to slowly reopen. Um, and we've seen when people open too quickly, there is a second surge and slowly things will start to reopen. Things will slowly go back to normal, but we don't want to do things prematurely because if we do things prematurely, we'll end up right back where we were in April and May. So all I can say is wear your masks, wash your hands, be mindful of your own hygiene along with everyone else's um, and social distance for the time being. That's all you really can do. And hopefully, like we said, there won't be a second surge and we sooner rather than later will get a treatment or whether it's a vaccine and we'll be able to know how to go forward in the future with this. But just be patient. I know that it's it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So we need to take our time with this. It's something that's very scary, so. A question, really my last question for both of you would be, uh, the NEC made the very difficult decision last week to postpone our fall sports as, as many conferences are doing now, you know, looking at the health and safety of our student athletes. Um, as a former student athletes yourselves, you know how tough that is to go through when you're on campus. But now as a nurse, you've seen the other side of things and the effects of COVID-19 up close and personal. What would be your message to our student athletes at this time who are having a difficult time coming to grips with not playing this fall? Let's go with Alyssa first. Um, I feel for them. It's a, it's a big adjustment and especially the seniors, um, they're kind of losing out on their senior season. But I think right now we're just, we really need to um, worry about our own personal health um, some people may not realize it, but life does kind of go on after college sports, as Michaela and I were both in the healthcare profession. Um, I think you just have to take the memories that you have from your collegiate years and just kind of focus on all the positives. And as much as it kind of might be a bummer to end your college career like this, I think you really just need to focus on the positives and remember that the whole country is kind of going through this right now. And we're really just looking out for your safety and kind of your well-being. Michaela, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And to echo off what Alyssa said, that um, life, there is life beyond college sports. And as hard as it is to say, because I completely understand, I, 
especially to the seniors. It's your last year, it's your last hurrah. You're hoping to go out with a bang your senior year, especially for all the fall sports. I completely understand that, but um, reminisce on the good times, reminisce on all the good experiences that you had and moments that you had and games you played in and goals you scored. Um, because if you're not healthy, you wouldn't be able to play in these games anyway. So we need to focus on our health and the well-being of yourself and your family and your teammates and your um, the other students that you're in class with. So safety is always a priority. And remember that we're not, none of this is happening with uh, malintent or because we want to, we want to take away your senior year because we just want to. There's rationale behind it and we just want everyone to be safe and healthy and we want things to go back to normal and the quickest way to do this is to abide by all the rules and to be safe and be precautious. That's great advice. So let me say it's, it's absolutely been my honor to have you two on today. Um, you know, you rose to the occasion of student athletes and now you're literally suiting up again every day um, to help save lives during this pandemic. So we talk about NEC Pride a lot in this conference, and this is what it's all about um, right here. So thank you for taking the time to, out of your busy schedules, and I know, to spend time and share your experiences with the conference on what it's been like out on the front lines these last few months. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. These are our roots. <laughs> <laughs> I love Always it. go back to the roots. <laughs> Go Pioneers. Yes. Uh, once again, we have Alyssa Tarsi, a former Sacred Heart women's basketball student athlete, Michaela Wolf, former Sacred Heart women's soccer student athlete. This has been NEC Now on the NEC Overtime podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and we'll see you next time.